Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual walk and look forward to all that Christ is doing in your life. If you are looking for more information about Christ Church or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. Well, good morning. Most definitely. It's always exciting to hear what people learn when they serve in the body of Christ and when they serve in the church. Well, it's great to see you here this morning. If we haven't met yet, my name is Mike and I am the senior associate pastor here at Christ Church and we're glad that you're visiting with us here today. You know, when you walked in the door, you should receive something that we call the Connect Card. And one of the things that's a featured event on here that I want to call your attention to is the first one. We're calling it Next Step. Next Step is a new gathering for us here at Christ Church, and this is simply a one-hour informal conversation with Pastor Craig and myself where we can hear your story, share our stories, how God has brought us to this church, and then share the story of Christ Church as well. Our first one is on December 5th, and it happens between our two services on Sunday morning. And so if you haven't taken a step into our church, let me personally invite you to Next Step. It'd be great just to get to know you a little bit and share some opportunities that we have here. There are literally hundreds of opportunities to plug into our church Monday through Saturday. There's a lot of things going on. And so if you're only coming to Christ Church on Sunday morning, you're missing out on a lot of opportunities. And we'd love to let you know about them and just get to know you a little bit. So you can sign up simply on the Connect card and put that on the offering basket on the way out. We'd love to meet you on December 5th. Well, we are in the second week of our series, Generous, and last week, Pastor Craig started this series by looking at what it looks like for us to live with a generous spirit. And today, we're going to take a, a little turn on this, and we're going to look at what it looks like for us to be generous today with our time, with our time. You know, some of us in this room probably have the gift of generosity, these are the kind of people where generosity just seems to come natural. If you ask them to do something, they just jump in and do it with joy or they give with their entire heart. For some of us, generosity might be more of a learned discipline or a learned virtue in our life. Well, whether or not this is your gift, generosity is something that God has called each and every one of us to have in our lives. He wants us to be a people that live with open hands. And this is something that should be part of our character, not just something that we do. It's something that God calls us to be, not to do. Pastor Tim Keller says that the goal of followers of Jesus is spiritual transformation, not just moral growth. To illustrate this, I wanted to give you a little lesson on hardwood flooring. 
A couple of years ago, my wife and I decided to remodel our house. We were very excited to do this, and we were getting new flooring on the main level of our house. And so we saved up all of our money for this project, and we began to research all of the different options to, uh, of hardwood flooring on your house. We watched every show on HGTV on Do It Yourself as well, and I began to be amazed at how many different options there are and just hardwood that you can put on your floor. This product is called an engineered hardwood hardwood floor. You maybe have heard about it. It's actually just a small thin layer of hardwood, almost like a veneer, with some cheaper, less valuable pieces of wood that are underneath it. This is what we put on our house. It's what we can afford. But at the same time that I was doing this, my next door neighbor was also finishing his floor. And he decided to go with a different product. This is actually called a solid piece of hard wood. And it's dramatically different. He actually let me borrow a piece of his, his floor for this morning. When you look at it, first of all, it's thicker. And it's one solid piece of wood. See, the, the difference here with this wood is that you can sand it down and refinish it a number of times. If you want to change the color, if it gets scratched up, you can sand it down and restain it in a different color. And it will be the same thing because it's solid all the way to the core. Friends, sometimes when we think of generosity, we think of it more like this. We think about it as something that we have to do. Like a, a thin veneer of material that we would just put over our lives. But what we're going to see today is that God calls us, when he talks about generosity, he calls us to be generous people. This isn't something to do. It's something to be. And he wants us to be generous deep within our core. He doesn't want us to live with a thin veneer of generosity, but he wants us to be deep within our hearts. So today's message is more about who we are than what we do. Today, like I mentioned, we're going to look at how we can live in a generous way with something that we all have the same amount of, 24 hours in the day, and how we can be generous with our time. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be looking again at verses 1 through 8. But while you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context of what we're looking at this morning. In Romans chapter 12, Paul is kind of at a turning point in his letter to the church in Rome. In his first 11 chapters, he writes about all of the amazing things and the ways that God has been generous to you and to me. All the things that he does for us. He writes about God's amazing holiness and how the wages of sin are death. But then he writes about God's generosity and his faithfulness, and how we can be justified through faith in Jesus Christ. He writes about the hope that we can have in Jesus Christ, and that we no longer have to live lives that are completely controlled by sin, that we don't have to be slaves to our sin, that we don't have to live in addictive patterns in our lives. And then he writes about the Holy Spirit, and how the Holy Spirit is there to be with us each and every day in our time in need. It's God's presence with us here today. And then he writes about how God can how everyone can come to God just as they are. Whether they're Jew or Gentile, all they simply need to do is come to the Lord in faith. 
In short, Paul takes 11 chapters in the book of Rome to talk about how amazingly generous God is to us. And then he takes a turn and he begins to share how we should respond to God's generousness. The first 11 chapters talk about what God has given to us. But then in chapter 12, God speaks about how we should give back to him. The scripture says this, Therefore, therefore, because of God's amazing generousness, his generosity to us, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by, grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as, uh, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace that God has given us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Well, friends, this is a rich passage with many applications to our lives. But today we're going to look at some principles in this text and how it applies to our lives and how God calls us to be generous with the time that he has gifted us first principle that I think we see in the text here today is this. Because God has been so generous to us, we should respond. We should respond. Have you ever been uncomfortable when someone has given you a gift because you don't know how you should respond? You know, I have some friends that literally have said that they don't like to receive gifts because they don't want the burden of responding to a gift because they feel like they might have to give a gift in return. They'd rather just not receive one altogether and go on in their lives. Now, this can be a little bit dysfunctional for sure, can it? But there's this scale in our minds that when someone gives something to us, that our hearts want to give something back to them. Or maybe we feel obliged that we should do so. This can be, friends, expressed though in a helpful way. When someone is generous to us, it should invoke a response. Maybe it's just a genuine expression of thanks to that person. Or maybe you feel compelled to give them a gift in return. But in Romans chapter 12, Paul states that the generosity of God is so amazing that it should invoke for us a generous response in return. He says it this way, in view of God's mercy. That's a form of generosity to you and to me. 
Now this may seem obvious to many of us, but I think it's important to note. Because of God's generosity to us, we should do more than just sit. We should do more than just receive. At times, we can become accustomed to the generosity and the goodness of God. His goodness, his generosity to us should compel us to respond. It should compel us to be generous in return. The second point that I believe we see in the text here this morning is this. We should be generous with more than our things. Often, when pastors speak about generosity, the main application point is for us to be generous back with our material resources. And that is definitely part of what Scripture teaches as as well. But God wants more than just our stuff. And today, we're going to look at how we can be generous with something other than our stuff and our resources. In this passage, Paul kind of sands down beneath that. He gets deeper than the veneer of generosity. He has a way of doing this with many of his writings in the New Testament, if you read them. And he gets to this core issue and says that the appropriate response to God's generosity to us is for us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Professor James Edwards, who writes an amazing commentary on the book of Romans, states this claim this way. He says, It's one thing to give things to God. Money, time, talents, services, sacrifices, etc. But it's quite another thing to give oneself. God sent his son not to enlighten our minds, to raise our emotional level, to cultivate our hearts, or to improve our morals, but to redeem the whole person. And beyond that, the world itself. As creator of the universe, sustainer of all things, and eternal judge, God is Lord of all things. If God loves the whole person, then it is only fitting, then the only fitting response is to return the whole person to that love, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We should be generous with more than just our things. And God's generousness, his generosity, should invoke a response as well. But the third thing that I believe we see in the text here this morning is because of God's generosity, we should use our time differently. We should use our time differently. You know, time is an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? And we're living in a time where maybe you've used your time differently over the last two years than you have prior to the pandemic. We had kind of a strange pause in our culture, in our lives. One member in our first service shared this thought with me about time. Her father used to say this to her and her sisters when they were little children. And sadly, they lost him when he was just 44 years old when they were little. He used to say this, found 24 golden hours 
each one studded with 60 diamond minutes. And he expressed how valuable the time is that God has blessed each and every one of us with. In verse 2, we see that following Jesus at times will cause us to live differently than those around us. Paul writes that we should not conform, but rather be transformed by a whole new way of thinking. And you see, there's this dangerous trap that we can fall into, thinking that Jesus is like an add-on to our lives, or a plug-in, if you will. It's easy to fall into this, this type of thinking. Maybe you have this thought that I've got a good life. Maybe it'll be a little bit better if I add Jesus to the mix. Hop on, Jesus. Join me in my life, and I'll create a little bit of space for you. Friends, this is not what the Bible teaches. The more and the more that we follow Jesus, the more and more he will change our minds. He will change our desires. He will change the way that we think. The more we surrender to him, the more he changes our hearts. Have you ever had a time in your life when you realized that your desires changed? Like all of a sudden you're like, whoa, something just changed. I realized this a number of years ago uh, when we had the birth of our first child. Uh, up until that point, I, I was single till a little bit later in my life, mid-20s, late-20s, and I met my wife, and we had four years where we were married. I was serving in a college ministry during this time, and so a lot of my ministry was at night. I would be hanging out on college campuses, doing Bible studies in fraternity houses, chasing football teams around and being their chaplain, and doing Bible studies and discipling students into the evening. We also like sports, and so my wife and I, we played on, one summer, it was out of Control. We played on three sand volleyball teams and four softball teams at the exact same time. We had double headers many nights of the week. It was like gym class every night. And then we found out that we were having a child. Now, like most men, I have a hard time projecting these kind of life changes. They kind of just hit you when they happen. So I had thought life is just going to continue to roll on. And then when we had my first daughter, and this had this experience even more when I had my second. And I saw her for the very first time. It was like, like I got hit with a Mack truck. And I knew life changed. I jumped back in to my ministry cycle, but my desires had changed. I no longer wanted to go play sand volleyball four nights a week or play softball and doubleheaders. I didn't want to be out four or five nights a week chasing college students and fraternity houses. There was a desire for me to be home. Up until that time, home was just a place that we went home to sleep. But now is exactly where I wanted to be because I had a daughter there. My desires changed. You know, God has a way of doing the same thing in our hearts if we surrender our lives to him. And one transformation that we should grow into as followers of Jesus is the desire to be generous. As followers of Jesus, we should want to be generous in our character 
in our hearts. Friends, Jesus was generous. When he was here on this earth, he showed us this. We see it throughout the Gospels. And as followers of him, we should be generous as well. Even in the time that he's blessed us with here on this earth. The fourth principle that we see here this morning is that God's plan for us is to serve humbly together. Friends, faith is not an individual journey. It's something that God has created us to live out together. Together, Sure, there is a component of faith that is deeply personal and individual. But all throughout Scripture, God calls his people to follow him together in community. Whether it's the people of Israel or the 12 disciples or the local church, faith is created to be lived out together. We have maybe learned this or been reminded of it over the last two years, maybe more than ever before. There's a difference in watching a service at home in your pajamas than being here together in person. And in order to serve, it's very difficult to serve at home with a cup of coffee in your hands, in your pajamas. In order to serve and be generous with their time, we need to be together. Paul says that this starts when one humbly makes the space to give up their time and to serve others. One of the biggest obstacles I think that exists to serving is that first thought that we often have, that I'm just too busy or maybe just too important to serve someone else, that I just don't have the time, and that there's other people that certainly have the time to do that. But in verse 3, Paul reminds us, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Friends, there are things that can happen when we simply say the word yes. When we say yes to an opportunity to serve someone else, there's often an adventure on the other side of that word that we cannot imagine. And when we do this with each other, it builds up the body of Christ. It builds up the church. So how can we practically grow more generous with our time? I have just three suggestions for us this morning. And the first suggestion is this, to allow yourself to be interrupted. Allow yourself to be interrupted. You know, many of us don't like to be interrupted. When I have something that's going on in my life, uh, I don't like those things that kind of slow me down from the goal that I'm trying to achieve. Matter of fact, they kind of frustrate me and I want to ignore them. But when you look at the Gospels, it's interesting to see just how much of the written account actually happens when Jesus was interrupted. You know, we don't see a lot of the agendas or the theological conversations that he was having with religious leaders. But we do see when Jesus is interrupted, when he's on his way to that meeting, and someone who is in need begs for mercy. We don't see all of the messages that Jesus taught when he preached and when he spoke. But we do see when a woman grabs the end of his robe, looking for a healing touch from Jesus Christ. Much of the gospel na- narratives happen along the way. 
when Jesus is interrupted and Jesus models for us and he teaches us how to be generous when life interrupts our plans. If you're like me, this can be a, a real challenge. At times I can become almost tunnel focused on a goal and I miss these opportunities that are in front of me. In his book, The 10 Second Rule, Claire DeGraff writes that when we notice an opportunity to be interrupted for Jesus Christ, that we literally have, ten, have a 10 second window to respond to that opportunity. And usually there's an internal dialogue of dueling voices between us. Have you ever noticed this? Should I stop and help that person on the side of the road or should I continue to go? If I stop, I might be late for my meeting, but, but I, and by the time you are done having that discussion, you are down the road and too far to help. The graph says that in order to address this, we need to allow ourselves to be interrupted. We need a, a pre-decision that we will help people when we're interrupted that will look for those opportunities as adventures where we can serve other people, where we can be generous with our time. The second suggestion that I have for us here today is simply to set aside some time. Set aside some time that you can give away in your day. You know, most of us schedule our day to the minute. And so there's no way we can give something away. But if you, in your mind, set something aside, it becomes much easier. Last week, I had the opportunity to serve with a group of businessmen in the Dominican Republic. We were on a short-term construction trip trip to build a medical clinic and some dormitories. Here's some pictures of future short-term trips that will be happening down in that country. Now, I am not a block layer. I'm the farthest thing from a block layer. I am the guy that follows the block layer and just kind of fills in the cracks with mortars and encourages the guys. I was actually working with a professional block layer, and when you someone, see someone doing this, it's almost like poetry. When you see someone using their gift in this way, it was amazing. But on this trip was a group of businessmen that decided to set aside some time to serve the Lord. One was a financial planner. One was a lawyer. Another was a small business owner. There was 11 of them in total, and all of them took a week of vacation and gave it to the Lord. They were generous with their time. How can we do this in our everyday life? I mean, how can we be generous and set aside time in our, in our normal schedules? I've been thinking about this for the past few weeks and want to suggest maybe a little target for you in your mind just to think about. Back in 1817, a, name, a man named Robert Owen, who was a Welsh manufacturer and labor rights activist, created what we know today as the eight-hour workday. His revolutionary idea was for a person to set aside eight hours for labor, eight hours for recreation, and eight hours for sleep. Now, I know every mother in this room right now is thinking eight hours for sleep. That would be amazing. How do I set that aside in my life? This was quickly rejected in Europe during this time, but later was adopted by the Ford Motor Company in 1914 here in America. 
and it revolutionary changed the way that they operated. Strangely, it cut the hours of the average worker. It doubled their salaries, but it also increased profits for the company as they got the best and the brightest that wanted to work there. On a side note, friends, I wonder if we're living in a time where technology is changing the way that we work again. I wonder. But here's my point. What if we used those eight hours of recreation just as a benchmark? And what if we decided to give a tenth of our time to simply serving other people? A tenth of those eight hours of recreation. Now for you, those of you that are quick at math, you would know that that computes to roughly 45 minutes a day. Now, it's not my intent to create a legalistic rule, but this is just a thought. What if in your mind this week, you simply set aside 45 minutes and you said, these 45 minutes, I am looking for opportunities to be generous with the time that God has given me today. I will look for places to serve. You might be surprised by what you see if you simply set aside some time to serve other people. I did this last week in the athletic director at my daughter's middle school basketball game came up to me and said, hey, we need someone to keep the book. Will you keep the book during the game? And I said, yes, I have 45 minutes set aside to give away and to be generous. I was happy to do this. But whatever it takes, set aside some time to just serve other people. The third suggestion I have for us today is to join in here at our church and to serve. Friends, the church is a place where we all can serve. And it's better when we all have a part. Those who serve enjoy a deeper connection to the body of Christ. And I have found that God often shares his joy with me when I'm serving, sometimes in ways where I'm not, which is not my primary gift. One way that you can take a step into serving with us here today is to serve in a need that is, is presenting itself right now to our church, and that's to serve on our ushers and greeting team. Friends, we're beginning to see what we think is a return to the church right now. Our weekend services are starting to swell. Our outreach events are starting to grow. We have an outreach event coming up next month that we believe will sell out and be one of the largest outreach events that we've had in the history of the church. People are returning to the church from a time off with COVID-19 and new guests are coming to the church as well. One of our greatest needs right now is for people to serve on our greeting teams so that when guests come to our church, they feel that they've come home. For many of us here, this has been your home, and this place feels like home. But for a first-time guest, it can be intimidating, walking into a room where many people know each other. So we are looking for friendly people who are willing to be hospitable. They're willing to walk people down to our kids' ministry and help them check in, maybe walk them back up and help them find a seat Maybe even sit with a first-time guest so they feel connected to our church. If you'd like to serve in this way, it will cost some of your time. We're asking our greeting team to show up 30 minutes before our service. But it's an opportunity to serve God right here in our church. 
If you'd like to do that, you can just indicate that on the Connect card as well and place that in the offering basket. We have a training in a couple of weeks. We'd love to invite you to be a part of that. Friends, last week, while serving in the Dominican Republic, one of my friends shared with me some life-changing news. He's just 10 years older than me. He's one of those friends who's just good at everything in life. I don't know if you've got some of those friends. He's run a very successful business. He was a great college athlete. Even though he's 10 years older than me, I, can, I cannot outdrive him on the golf course, and he reminds me of that every time he hits a drive down the fairway. But a few weeks ago, he began to notice that he was getting weak in his left arm. And he began to notice that he was slurring some of his words on the left side of his mouth. And so, before going on this trip together, he decided to go see a doctor to see what was going on. They talked through some of his symptoms, and the doctor told him that he feared that he might have ALS. He shared that news with me and a couple of other individuals and he decided he still wanted to go on that trip, even though he needed to come back early to get some tests that would later confirm this diagnosis. It was Wednesday of that week when we were working together, and we were doing our morning devotions as we usually did as a team. And he shared this news with the rest of the group, what was going on in his life and what the doctors feared that he had. And it was an emotional breakfast for sure as we gathered together and prayed for him and asked God to heal him because these men had know, have known him and served with him for years. And he began to think about his life and he shared these thoughts with us. He began to share that he noted that Tunch Elkin had been diagnosed with this same disease and that he lived for a little less than a year from diagnosis to his passing earlier this year. And he said, so I'm looking at life like this, like this might be my last year. And he said, you know what? It's a pretty good exercise. It's putting a lot of things in perspective for me, how I use my days and how I use my time. And then he encouraged all of us to do the same thing. Friends, God has given us the gift of time. Let us use the time that God has given us well. And let us be a people that are generous the time that God has gifted us. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for this morning and for the reminder of your amazing generosity to each and every one of us. And God, as we think about our lives and the minutes and the days that you have blessed us with here on your earth, God, I pray that we would use these minutes and that we would use this time well. God, help us see you working when our lives get interrupted this week. 
Help us set aside time to simply serve you and other people. And God, I pray that you would use our lives to touch others. And so we give you the minutes of this week as an act of generosity, Lord, because of the amazing generosity that you've expressed to each and every one of us. It is in your name we pray, Jesus.